Okay, I think we're live. Welcome to Table Chat Live. Yeah, here we are. Hey, hey, buddy. Just you and me again. Good to see you. Uh, yeah, good to see you. Just a reminder, uh, if anybody uh, uh, doesn't know what we're doing here, just a reminder, this is for me. I don't know what we're doing here. I've had a lot of calls today, so my brain has been in a lot of different places. Reset it. Um, but we want to have these uh, conversations about our Sermon on the Mount series um, at the table. We are preaching through the Sermon on the Mount, and our series is called Living the Politics of Jesus in a Partisan America. Mm-hmm. And um, we want to spend some time just realizing, uh, we were talking about this uh, yesterday, Matt, in staff meeting, mm-hmm. just realizing that there's so much to unpack. And yep. especially do, trying to do church during a pandemic, you know, the sermons are supposed to be even shorter. Yeah. But like it's trying to condense all of this um, kind of paradigm shifting uh, content into... Uh, one sermon is just, it's not going to do it. And so we're trying to let the sermon do the work that the sermon needs to do within the context of our worship service. Right. And then augment that with uh, these podcast episodes, with these uh, videos uh, that you can join live. Um, and uh, hopefully in that process, help us actually do that. Live in the politics of Jesus. Learn what that means figure mm-hmm. out why uh, that matters, all that kind of thing. So yeah, we're going to do some expansion today on your sermon from this past Sunday, Matt Tebby. Okay. And um, before we get into it, though, uh, this has now become a theme. I want to play this Derek Webb song, uh, <laughs> at least the first part of it. And I want to see uh, if you think this relates a little bit to what you preached on. Okay. This let me, past let me hear it. All right. Here, here, here it comes. Let me have it. Yeah. All right. I think, I think it does relate a little bit. Um, yes, I think it does relate a bit. I think I think Derek Webb's talking about a different dynamic than he's talking about this tendency we have to live the Christian life apart from grace and wisdom and to live it according to knowledge and rules. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think here, here's the connection I was making, Matt. You're making and a maybe connection? Maybe this can be... This, this could maybe be uh, the first, uh, our first foray into talking with you about this sermon. Um, the connection I'm making is that, uh, you know, obviously this song is talking about how people want a new law. They want a rule. They want something to, to follow to kind of know that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and in your sermon on Sunday, 
you said that the, that what the Pharisees and the scribes were doing, you talked about this, this is the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes. Mm -hmm. Jesus says we need to go beyond what they were doing was breaking the law up into little pieces and they were assigning value to the various laws. But the purpose of getting uh, the law under control, under our belts, kind of, you know, the purpose of that was to maintain power, was to maintain privilege uh, at the expense of, you know, whoever, you know, the, the 95% of the people that kind of lived under the, under the thumb of the 5%. Yes. yes. Um, and so um, I think the connection there is that uh, I wonder if that's one of the reasons we like rules. I wonder if it's one of the reasons that we, we like, uh, Hey, just tell me what to do. Like, just give me the law because it gives us this sense of control. Yeah. That, that ironically then allows us to just live as we want, you know, oppressing mm. people, mm. exploiting mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. because, well, I kept the rule. I'm fine. I'm doing fine. Yeah. You know, I kept the rule. Okay. I so see anyway. it. So anyway, I wonder if you could expand on that. I mean, maybe just let's do this. I guess we do this every week, just in case people haven't listened to the sermon yet. Um, maybe give us a summary of your good news proclamation. Yep. Every week we do a summary yep. of a good news proclamation um, and maybe just walk us through kind of the outline. What, what were you getting at? You were preaching on Ma- Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Yep. This is the passage that says, uh, do not think I've come to abolish the law. I've not come to abolish, but to fulfill it. Not one of these little commands will pass away until all things that be fulfilled. Anyone who teaches the least of these to violate the least of these commands will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. Whoever keeps all these commands will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then um, I tell you that if your righteousness does not, if it, if your righteousness doesn't exceed that of the Pharisees, uh, you know, you, you're not going to get this. That's ba- yeah. that's a that's summary of the passage. You can't even enter the kingdom of heaven. Right, you can't even yes. enter the kingdom of God. So the 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 proclamation was that Jesus fulfills the law by by understanding it, teaching it, and living it in a way that comports to its intention. Mm. That he uh, understands it well and lives it faithfully. That's what it means to fulfill. Abolish means to not understand it or not live it faithfully. And what Jesus exposes in the Sermon on the Mount, so this is like the, this is like his summary. This is his summary sentence. And then the rest of chapter five, where he talks about do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not uh, swear, um, you know, make oaths, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. are all illustrations of what he's talking about here. Um, And so one of the things that would happen is that the Pharisees and the scribes of the law, um, they would separate the commands in the Old Testament into heavy commands and light commands. So do not murder, for instance. It's a heavy command, right? Don't murder. Make sure sure you do that one. It's a big deal. Make sure you follow this one. Yeah. And then light commands are. Light commands would be like uh, hating your brother in your heart or saying fool or you idiot or um, you imbecile. Right. Those are lighter commands. You're not killing somebody. Right. Um, yeah. And so keeping them is uh, not considered it. What is just not considered a, a big deal. Well, what would happen is, is that, yeah. So what would happen is then the Pharisees and the scribes would, um, would, would put a lot of weight on the heavy commands and violate the light commands and justify it. 
Mm. And if you notice the violation of the light commands in the Sermon on the Mount in like verses 20 through, what is that, 37? Mm -hmm. um, most of those, most of those light command violations are, are um, injustices, like social, <laughs> they're about social justice. And many mm. of them have to do with the powerful or the rich or the men mistreating the yeah. uh, dispossessed, the poor, and the women. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is saying that uh, what's happening is um, these religious leaders are walking around congratulating themselves at keeping all these really important rules, but then exploiting, abusing, and taking advantage of committing injustices yeah. against the the powerless, the penniless, and the people who don't benefit with the patriarchy. Um, mm -hmm. And Jesus is saying that 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 way of dividing the laws up is twofold wrong. One, it ends up to leading to exploitation and abuse. But two, if you break the law into 613 commands and try to like build laws around laws, you're you're not holding everything together. You're you're pulling it all apart. And so we just proclaim that Jesus holds the law together in his mm -hmm. person, that he is what God has to say to quote our our boy Brian Zond. Mm -hmm. And he uh, he holds it together in his life and his teaching. And then, um, so then the righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees isn't, isn't, a, isn't trying harder to do better to keep all the rules. Jesus isn't ramping up the pressure or making things harder, but rather the righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees in distinction to the Pharisees' righteousness was like a pious keeping of the, of some laws uh, at, in, uh, um, at the expense of others. Yeah. Jesus is saying, keep the law of loving justice for the sake of others. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he's saying the righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees, A, goes deeper and B, extends justice, loving justice on behalf mm. of the people that are oppressed, abused and exploited. Mm. Yeah. Well, it sounds like good news. Oh man, it's the best news. Yeah. It's challenging news, but I, yeah, it's, it's good news. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I, I was talking with somebody the other day about um, how different this is from a lot of the ways that if you grew up in the church that we've learned to read the, the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Right. We, we've almost done with the Sermon on the Mount, the exact thing that Jesus was trying to undo in the Sermon on the Mount. Yes. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, yes. Yeah. I do. Where we've turned the Sermon on the Mount into a set of rules that we can keep in order to maintain power, maintain privilege, maintain exploitative relationships, oppression, to not do justice in the name of following Jesus. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think the big turn for me, the big shift for me here was, uh, I read a book uh, called The Politics of Jesus by a, a black theologian named Aubrey Hendricks Jr. And he really situated, um, he, I think the black church is, is saving my life right now. And reading black theologians is saving my faith right now, because I think that they, um, you know, our canon theologian, Esau Macaulay wrote a book called mm -hmm. Reading While Black that just came out uh, earlier this month. Yeah. And in that book, he talks about all the ways that being a black person in America shapes 
one to access the scriptures in a way that maybe being uh, a white person in America, you don't have access to this stuff. And he's right. doing like theology on the ground as a, as a black theologian. But um, he, he comes out of a long line of black theologians and, and Aubrey Hendricks in this book, Politics of Jesus, helped me see the, the situation in Judea uh, in Israel in the first century was uh, crazy. Like, mm. um, uh, like, cr- like there was a crazy wealth inequality. A vast majority of people were starving, living hand to mouth, uh, destitute. Um, and, and not only the Romans were oppressing them and, and bilking them out of money taxes, but also, uh, also Jerusalem and the religious authorities were, uh, bilking them out of money. And then you had the, I didn't even mention this on Sunday, but then you had Herod and Herod's, um, the puppet governor in, in Judea. He also was able to levy taxes. So you had Rome and you had Herod Mm -hmm. and you had Jerusalem. And uh, the people who were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd uh, were chronically hungry, poor, destitute, disenfranchised, uh, powerless, and desperate, and desperate. And so uh, religion in Jesus's day functioned as a tool of oppression in some ways. Um, Yeah. They were faithful Jews. They were godly Jews in Jesus's day. But Jesus's critique of the, of the, religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees often had to do with the way they used religion to exploit and, and uh, spiritually and economically and legally Mm. abuse other people. And the Sermon on the Mount is a direct, is Jesus speaking directly to that? Yes. So, yeah. So part of then it sounds like part of, part of what we need to learn then is that just like Esau has been reading well black, we've been reading well white. Yes, we have. You, you and I, and you know, <laughs> most of our church is white, right? So like uh, we've been reading well white. And I think that's, that's a big paradigm shift for a lot of people mm-hmm. is to realize that they have been reading well white. Yeah. And, and that our reading of the Sermon on the Mount um, has been affected by our social location. Yeah. That, you know, that we or have been unaware of, you know, and if we've been unaware of it, then we've been, you know, I think it, it allows us then to read the way that I used to read the Sermon on the Mount. Um, even, even when, I mean, a long time ago, I used to read it as Jesus sort of trying to ramp up the pressure so that we realized we needed grace. Well, that's one way. That's one of the ways to misread right. it. Yeah. 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 One of those ways to misread it. But even like, I'm thinking about Willard and his very helpful reading uh, of the Sermon on the Mount that I think expands into some of these things. But even then it, you're able to read it, I think as a, uh, as an individual who's trying to become a better Christian. Working on my personal piety. Yeah. Working on my personal piety, yeah. which is great. You know what I mean? Like that, I think that actually, if you do end up doing that, it yeah. does issue forth. Like if you really are filled with love, I think you're going to be able to see injustice and realize, Oh, like this is, I need to do something here. Right. Um, but, uh, but having your eyes open to the, the fact that, um, what Jesus was doing here was more than just speaking to individuals who might be interested in his teaching, mm. uh, to become better Jews, right. To say like, Oh yeah, I had no idea that was a good way to, uh, keep the law. Yes. You know? Yeah. But that actually there is this social conflict that he's, uh, stirring up number one by preaching. Uh, he's basically not catering to the to the powerful here. He's actually 
you know, the people he's talking to are the people that he names in the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are you. The kingdom's the kingdom's yours. Here yeah. you go. We talked about that last week. Yeah, we did. So, yeah. yeah. So that's what we preached. And then I, I tried to turn the spotlight towards us. You know, I, I think, mm -hmm. um, I think one of the, one of the unfortunate things that happens, and I want to be categorically clear on this. One of the unfortunate things that happens when we take Jesus's critiques of the way religion was being misused in his day is that every single Jew or the Jewish race gets lumped in with the malpractice of Judaism. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is really specific and really pointed in his critique. And he never throws his own uh, people as a whole under the bus. Um, his critiques are leveled against members of Jerusalem and, and more pointedly uh, the priest members of the priestly class, Sadducees and religious scribes, scholars and scribes, yes. lawyers and yes. Pharisees. Um there's plenty of faithful Jews that Jesus celebrates, in fact, yes. in, and, in the gospel. And Gentiles. And gen yeah. And, you know, but I just yeah. want to make sure that there's no, there's not a hint in us talking about this yeah. of an anti-Semitism or a rejection of the Jewish people as a whole. Yes. Because Jesus wasn't doing that. He was a Jew. Right. That's a tragic uh, misreading of what was happening here yeah. in the New Testament, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. But I tried to turn in church history. I, I tried to turn this towards our day and just talk about is so so the temple then in Jesus's day was the center of religion. Mm -hmm. It was also the bank and it was also um basically like uh Capitol Hill. So you take yeah. take Capitol Hill, Wall Street, and uh, I don't know the Crystal Cathedral. I don't know what what, 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 what <laughs> Rome, right? Like I don't know spiritual. Yeah, like a like a yeah, spiritual. Uh, it, it's more than know, a church though, because like because this yeah. is part of this is part of how religious leaders use their power and position and privilege to disenfranchise yeah. people. Is that the temple regulated and controlled um, who was faithful and who wasn't? Yeah. Um, and if you were unable to get to Jerusalem or you were unable to afford different sacrifices or you were uh, a woman or you were, you know, a Gentile, then you were cut off from the mm -hmm. honor and the status of the most faithful of the faithful. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Jesus has plenty of critiques about the uh, religious, political, economic uh, system that is the temple, uh, including tables being overturned and whatnot. Um, but I was trying to turn the spotlight on our day in it's not the same, but are there people who are using God, the God that Jesus reveals, using God to exploit and abuse and perpetuate injustices to basically scam and scheme and hustle for their own position and power and privilege and using God to do so? Mm -hmm. Because those are the people that Jesus has the most animus with mm -hmm. he reserves the the most fierce critique on those who are doing that yeah and i think i i think i riled some people up ben yeah. i think I, I think i ruffled some feathers i want i want to mm -hmm. talk about this you want to talk about this yeah sure so here's here's the here's the so the people that you know you critiqued then were largely on the american right 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 of the political spectrum in, in America, yep. that those, you know, the Republican Party, et cetera, like those on the right are the ones 
as you're saying, who uh, in their uh, political schemings are the ones who employ religious language, who employ God, who employ, who, who d- speak directly to Christians who are trying to, you know, get the evangelical vote. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and so basically you kind of uh, at the end of the sermon leveled some critique there and some of the pushback uh, that I have heard is like, well, Hey, what, what about, you know, what about the left? Yeah. Like, is this, you know, what about the left? Yeah. I, so yeah. Go, what about here, the left, man? What about them? <laughs> what about the left? I, I, <clears throat> um, so it's really hard to like take the left, right binary from America and map it mm. and map it accurately onto uh, Judy, uh, Jerusalem and Jesus's yeah. day. Yeah. Right. Right. It's really totally hard. Political the, system. Totally different. Um, but I, I said something in my sermon off the cuff. I said, um, you know, I talked about the left and I talked about them in the language. Uh, it was kind of pejorative language that the right uses. I talked about the secular godless left. Mm. And I was trying to, I was trying to um, refer to them the way the right refers to them. And I had a couple people come up to me at our church and just say, Hey, uh, there are many, many faithful people of faith on the left, and not just Christians, but uh, Jews mm-hmm. and uh, Muslims and and other people of other hmm. religious faiths. That it's not a godless secular uh, end of the spectrum. That's a caricature and a pejorative right. one of the right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just want to say I agree with that, and I was speaking um, hastily, shorthandedly, and perhaps uh, unwisely. So I recant. Um, (laughs) But uh, I I am thinking of the people that the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, the people they despised, Mm -hmm. the people that they had made the enemy and the scapegoat were Mm -hmm. um, Galileans, uh, people who people who were from the backwoods who did not come to the temple as much as they should. People who were um, intermarried with Samaritans and Gentiles. That was a big deal of Galilee had been, uh, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of mixed blood there, mudbloods, if you will, um, as they say in Harry Potter. And so there was just a lot of impurity there. Yeah. Um, And a lot of the people, a lot of the economy in Galilee, um, you know, there's speculation that, that Jesus and his father uh, worked in, in Gentile towns as stonemasons, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. going going where the work was. And anytime you came in contact with Gentiles, you would become unclean. But then, you know, you there was there was prescriptions and rituals to get clean, and they had to do with washings, and they had to do with the temple, and there was just this this widespread skepticism that all of these Galileans weren't doing everything they could to stay clean. And they were part of the stain on Israel. So, yeah. Like I, when I think, yeah, go ahead. They're the reason. They're the reason that God has not blessed us. That we the, the kingdom has not been returned to Israel. They're the reason that your unfaithfulness. This is the message, right? Your unfaithfulness <laughs> is why we're under Rome, or your yes. unfaithfulness is why we don't have the glory days of Solomon. Yes. Um, yes. It's your fault. It is your fault we're in this predicament. And so they were despised, they were derided, there was all kinds of uh, stereotypes and prejudice against them. And you you hear these come out. 
these come out like, can anything good come from Nazareth? Right. And, um, mm-hmm. and uh, what, are, you're just, a, aren't you like, you're from Galilee. What do you, are you, gonna, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know anything like there's, uh, and there were accents, right? So the woman knows yeah. that Peter is from Galilee by his accent. Yeah. Uh, his dialect was different. So there were all kinds of othering and differences. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think that there are people who claim the name of Christian who uh, use their power as Christian, political, economic, religious power, to um, other and and blame and deride uh, people for America's problems. Yes, right. And uh, if if that's the case, if if there is somebody in twenty first century America using God to perpetuate injustice and to um, hate on hate in their hearts and then they're letting it out. Uh, and the people that are the problem in America, mm-hmm. if uh, what we see Jesus doing in the sermon on the Mount is a calling out that injustice and b siding with those people. And what we don't see Jesus doing, and this is, this is what I want to contend for. We don't see Jesus going, hey, Pharisees and scribes, you got hate in your heart, and that's not right. But you know, there's a lot of impurity in Galilee, so we, there's bad people on both sides. Right. There's bad people on both sides, and if I'm going to critique the scribes and the Pharisees, then I've got to critique the Galileans and the people uh, in the Decapolis and the rest of those uh, Gentiles. Don't get me started on the barbarians. Uh, I don't have time to get into them. Jesus, so what we see Jesus do is he doesn't, both sides it Mm -hmm. Two, he's known as a friend of sinners and tax collectors. Um, And he's unconcerned about what that means for his reputation because it's the tax collectors and sinners who are being exploited and abused and perpetuating exploitation and abuse in this system. Yeah. And so and so I guess what I want to say is um, Jesus doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't try to play neutrality. And yeah. I feel, I feel like that's for a white Christian. We feel almost like um, it's almost like dirty to not be neutral somehow. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. And it it's an interesting I feel like we talked a little bit about this even the, like two weeks ago. Um, we talked about, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, we talked about my sermon. But I think the, um, in some ways, that is also, it feels to me like it's also a way of capitulating to to the system, to the left-right binary. To assume that to critique one side, you also have to critique the other, is to sort of fall victim to, well, I have to, I have to live within this system and I have to speak within it according to its own rules. Right. Which is Mm -hmm. like, there's two sides and they're just like fighting each other, Mm -hmm. which, you know what I mean? Um, Which Jesus doesn't seem to do. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't enter into the system as it exists and say, well, I I need to play this game. He, he comes with his own sort of set of values that, that are the kingdom of God, his politics and he says, oh, here's, here's, the, here's the thing that I'm most concerned about. I'm most concerned about this injustice, this exploitation, this othering, 
right? This this uh, damaging of the image of God in this another quality. This 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 economic right. and power differential. Right. This is what I'm most concerned about. Sure, there's problems, you know, with uh, with these people as well, right? I mean, tax collectors were, you know, exploiting people. Sinners are called sinners because they're probably they got some sin. You know what I mean? They're sinning. Yeah. Um, but Jesus is sort of raising the bar on the invisible. I guess maybe it wasn't invisible, but he's raising the bar on the 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 heaviness. To go back to the heavy light thing, mm-hmm. raising the bar on the heaviness of injustice. And saying this is actually uh, part of this is actually way more important than you know did this person offer the right sacrifice at the right time yeah or you know that's that sort of thing yeah and so I yeah, yeah. so I guess I guess uh, hey Joel says neutrality liberates no one boom that's that's a great comment Joel that's you're right you're right and so. I think we can, so there's this impulse to not be divisive right now. Why do you have to be so divisive? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's this allergy among white Christians of sounding partisan yeah, and or, quote, being divisive. Like, yeah. like the worst thing for somebody who has like Trump fatigue and is just tired of Christian nationalism, the worst thing would be that they would be labeled a white progressive. Um, and I, I want to try something out with you here. Uh, I, mm. I don't consider myself uh, progressive. Uh, I mean, I, because that that language comes from a, um, a a scheme or a frame that I don't live in. I don't live in right left America. I live in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. I'm really trying to gain an imagination for how to consider myself in a different kingdom yes. than America with different allegiances and different goals and different assumptions. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but if I have to be labeled a white progressive to speak out on behalf of immigrants and black people being killed by cops and um, children being um, deported, 8,000 of them being deported uh, and sit on the streets of Mexico, if, if the cost is being labeled a, a white progressive because I care about those things, then mm-hmm. like if Jesus can be called a friend of tax collectors and senators, I can be called a white progressive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah. It, in, in one sense, um, in one sense, it sounds like you're saying that to follow Jesus in what he seems to be doing here in the Sermon on the Mount to follow Jesus is to say, I want to be more concerned about the injustices that are happening than about how the stories that other people are telling about me. Yes. Because I'm concerned. Yes. Right. Yes. I, I, I want to be secure enough in my identity that you can call me a friend of tax collectors and sinners. You can call me a glutton and a drunkard. Uh, yes. You can call me a, a lefty. You can call me a liberal. You can call me a white progressive. A Marxist. And, a Marxist, socialist, I mean, whatever yeah. label, you know, you might. Social might justice warrior. Yeah. You can call me that. Um, and I'm not actually going to get all that worked up about it. I can let that slide off my back uh, because I have more, I just have more important things uh, to be considering. I think that's really convicting, you know? Yes. It's really convicting for me yeah. to realize like, yeah, I think I, I think I have been more concerned about my reputation been more concerned about what other people think about me. Yeah. And 
the injustices. Right. And so then when you preach something like John six, where um, Jesus feeds the 5,000 and they come to take him king by force. Right. Um, and and then then he says no, and then they follow him and he he thins the crowd, this this crowd that wants to make uh, this crowd that wants to um, take him, make him king, but doesn't understand who he is. I mean, yeah. there's elements there uh, where just because I say just because I'm pointing out the sin of how the right uses God doesn't mm-hmm. mean I'm endorsing uh, Obama. <laughs> right. Like I, yeah. uh, that's just, that's the imaginative crisis we have. Yes. That yes. There's no place to stand that critiques Christian nationalism and all the abuses and uh, abuses of power that religious people use God for in America. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't criticize that without, the imaginary placing you on quote the left. Yeah. And, and if we, if we both sides it, we'll never break through to a new imaginary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, I want to say that, but I also want to say uh, that of course there's a time to critique what the left is doing. Um, I, I, I could see that if my community predominantly was uh, being used by the left for, um, oppressive, abusive power games that I, I would probably critique the left a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. And if we're speaking about the kingdom of God and the Sermon on the Mount and the politics of Jesus, there are plenty of things to critique about uh, with the left. Mm. But I, I just, um, I think Jesus had plenty of things he thought was wrong with Rome. And sure. Jesus had plenty of things he probably thought were wrong with what Gentiles believed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he just doesn't talk about it yeah, a whole lot. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's a cop out. If I'm a liberal in sheep's clothing, is that what you think? Am <laughs> I a liberal in sheep's clothing? Uh, I'm just, I guess I'm trying to be, I'm trying to follow Jesus and, mm-hmm. and do what he did in his day and my day. Yeah. And I don't think both sides ism or trying not to be divisive or, um, staying away from being labeled a progressive. I don't see that motivating. None of that motivates Jesus. He's he's not concerned at all with any of it. And I just want to not be too. And I, I'm going to do it imperfectly. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I need, I need the church's help to figure out how to do this. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really helpful. Um, Man, I've just, we don't have a ton of time uh, to, to dive into Every place I'd I'd like to go. There's so much here. Well, name one of them. Let's do it. Um, yeah, I think the I'm having trouble uh, kind of distilling it uh, into into one thought. I you know I'm with you. Like I I want to follow Jesus. I think I th- this is probably it. I think the the interesting thing to me about. Um, this sermon series and what I'm learning is that um, the kinds of sins that have uh, kind of risen to the surface as, as, as the, the important things to talk about, right? So the, the Pharisees and the scribes had this heavy light schema, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That allowed them to basically do what Jesus said is actually the, the heavy things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it allowed them to skip, skip over those. So I'm thinking of that passage. Hey, you, you tithe, 
you know, a tenth of your mint and your dill, but mm-hmm. you neglect the weightier matters of the law. Yeah. Mercy, justice, yeah. like that, like letting like the thing that I've been learning is those, those things, as I've, as I've learned more about what Jesus was saying, those things keeps coming to the surface, mm-hmm. mercy, justice, like, uh, the, the, the basic stuff of, of just allowing, uh, and, and, humans to flourish, right? Mm-hmm. Not exploiting others, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. That stuff has risen to the surface um, as more important than maybe some of the other things that used to be considered really big sins in my, in my mind. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And so there is a, there is a, uh, a sussing out here of what is weighty, right? Because, you know, it's, it's heavy and light, but, but Jesus is saying, like, I'm integrating it into my body, but yes. he's also saying you have neglected. There are heavy things, but it's not like one or two commands that you can just decide no. what they are so yeah. that you can exploit people, right? Yeah, that's the punchline. The, the, the law is in, made for us humans to enjoy mm-hmm. the loving justice of God's reign Mm-hmm. And to participate in that loving justice with each other. Yeah. So all of the law is a contextualizing of loving justice. Yes. Of connected, committed, right living with God and with other people. Yes. And and so then and so then Jesus does entertain what's the greatest commandment. And he says, right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, mm-hmm. and love your neighbor as yourself. And and so Jesus. And at the end of the, at the section of the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about uh, love. And mm-hmm. he says, you must be um, uh, perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And again, we hear that as try harder, be better, be so holy and pure that you never uh, touch sin or even think about it or even smell sin, if, uh, you know, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But what he's saying is, you no, know, be complete. Yeah. Be complete. Yeah. Be complete in love is what he's saying. And, mm-hmm. and that's, so Jesus does entertain this. But mm-hmm. for me, when you say that, it, it includes do not murder of and course. also and right. also um, rid your heart of hatred because it's exceedingly difficult for someone, for a human to hate someone in their heart and love them at the same time. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's really hard to love someone and murder them uh, or, yes. or exploit them. Right. Y- yes. Um Okay, maybe one more one more thing here. Here's the here's one of the other things that um, uh, I think I've had my eyes open to in recent years. Mm. Um, take this into the realm of systems, structures, principalities, and powers for us, because oh, I think one of the one of the things that one of the ways of interpreting the Sermon on the Mount is that uh, I want to be filled with love, so that just the people that I talk to that I happen to encounter. Um, I'm going to be loving towards them. But sin and exploitation is not just built into the way that I encounter specific people, right? But we're participants in systems, right? So, you know, my shirt, I don't know who made my shirt, right? I got it at Target. Um, you know what I mean? I, I, you know, I'm part of a system where my tax money, some of it is going to build cages for kids at the border, uh-huh. right? We're, st- we're sort of bound up in these systems. And so um, what does loving justice look like then? If it's, if I can't just say, you know what, I'm off the hook uh, for those things out there that I can't do anything about. Um, I'm only on the hook for how I relate to the specific people that I 
personally encounter in my life. Does that make, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, this is such a difficult question. Stu, that's a really good comment, man. Stu's a, Stu's demonstrating how what Jesus is saying is actually the heart of the Old Testament as well. So yeah, this is, it's beautiful, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I don't know how to answer that question, Ben. Um, I, my response to it, I think, and you, sh- I think you share this, is that uh, our global economy, uh, there, there's a, there's a, the gods that have uh, tormented humanity have always been around power, money, and sex. Um, and the global economy is um, obviously about money, but also about power. Mm-hmm. And um, it's out of control, or as the kids say, OOC. Do they and, say that? I've never heard that. Um, <laughs> maybe. I did just um, turn 45, so. Yeah. Uh, and so there's, I don't think there's, I think that we're dealing with principalities and powers here. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think that um, we need better read. I mean, I think the Old Testament prophets talk about this all the time. Mm. Um, I think that one of the ways to understand the cross of Christ, and we've talked about this before at the table, is, you know, in uh, John, John 3, uh, 14, um, mm. uh uh, John says, and when, and just as Moses was lifted up, as just, and just and Mo, and just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's a sense in which uh, Jesus, Jesus, just as Moses lifted up the thing that was killing the Israelites in the wilderness, and they looked at it and they stared it in the face and they could be saved. Jesus on the cross, lifted up on the cross, is the thing that was killing Israel. Mm-hmm. Like them wanting and using and relying on the power, the demonic power of empire was killing them. And so Jesus, as the one being killed, not only killing them, but they, they, because they wanted it so bad, it's better for one person to die than for the whole country to go to hell. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, They, they, because they wanted that power so bad, they justified killing God. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's like the, it's not like killing them, but it's killing them, killing God. And so it's just demonic. But I think mm-hmm. there's a systemic thing that Jesus is trying to reveal on the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't know. I don't know how we then take the Sermon on the Mount um into those systems. I mean, I, 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 the Sunday I tried to just say, Hey, there's a lot of religious language used to control, um, how Christians think about voting. That is simply untrue. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a systemic issue, I think. Yeah. Um, right. Um, I mentioned that the kind of the four things are like being pro-life, uh, individual rights, which boils down to guns and taxes and, um, pro family, pro nuclear, nuclear traditional family. And, mm-hmm. and the, and, and a lot of Christians are convinced 
that those are the four things that God cares about the most. Mm-hmm. And that um, if, if the, if Christians lose any of those four things in America, that we are becoming the whore of Babylon. Um, and there's just, there's just tons of, um, and maybe this isn't answering your question, Ben, but there's just, just I mean, it probably isn't, yeah. but there's just tons of confusion about that. Yeah. And it, it almost, it almost catches us, uh, us up and, and we don't know the things that make for peace. Yeah. Like we're psychotic in, mm-hmm. in how we think about things and operate. And so, yeah, I don't know. That, that's what comes to mind as I listen to your question, but maybe you had something else you were trying no. to get at. No, not necessarily. It's a, sort of a half form thought. I'm, um, yeah, just wrestling with it because it, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to get your hands around it. And I, I, maybe that's the nature of principalities and powers. You know, they, they, they operate powerfully when they're invisible. And so, and they resist being exposed. Uh, and so it, it's difficult to mm. know, you know, how, uh, how to process some of these things. So, but I think, you know, part of, part of the good news in your sermon I don't want it to feel heavy or burdensome to people, <laughs> right? But part of the good news in your sermon is that Jesus, Jesus shows us how to do this. Like, yes. and Jesus is alive. Jesus is with us, right? As the church, he's walking with us. He integrates the law perfectly in his, in his human body. And he shows us what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that there is faith that we can have that through the spirit that when we encounter the situations we encounter, whether it's family members who want to talk politics at Thanksgiving or, uh, you know, our engagement with social media, um, our engagement with our neighbors, um, friends that we have, um, I think that we can trust that uh, if we will just open ourselves to what Jesus is doing uh, in and around us that, um, there'll be a better way opened up for us than just play it safe. Uh, don't rock the boat. Try to make sure that everybody thinks you're neutral or, you know, just rage against the machine. You know, um, I think those are, those are the two options that a lot of us are tempted toward. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, part, one, of, and, yeah. that's part of the privilege though, of being white is that you, you don't have to, name systemic sin. Like you don't, you don't have to stand. Sure. I was talking to a friend today and, and, and he was telling me, I'm just concerned about being divisive. And I, mm. and I said, I think that's because you and I don't fear. You and I don't fear for loved ones safety when they encounter officials of the state just because of what they look like. Right. And I said, um, I don't think there's a black pastor who's had a black congregant who's been mistreated by the police who fears being divisive when they stand up in front of their congregation with a grieving mother there saying what happened isn't right. Like the, yeah. the, being divisive isn't a concern at all. And if it is, it's mm-hmm. like you're in dereliction of duty as a pastor. Yeah. And so yeah. I think I think even that question for us Uh, demonstrates that we don't have to wrestle in our inmost being with systemic sin. It's still kind of a hobby Mm -hmm. to think about it. Yeah. Or it can be. Can't be. Yeah. 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 And maybe, you know, maybe way to 
bring this to a close. I was thinking about this the other day that, uh, you know, we do worry about being divisive because that's, you know, it's in the Bible, right? You're not supposed to be divisive. No, right. Um, but there are, there's more than one way to bring people together, right? <laughs> if it's possible to bring people together in fear, mm. if it's possible to bring people together under the ideology of white supremacy, mm. um, then being divisive might not be the ultimate sin. Hmm. If our unity is rooted in something other than the gospel, if our unity is rooted in something other than Jesus and what he shows us about God and the kingdom, well, then maybe, you know, maybe that actually does need to be clarified. Hmm. You know, maybe, maybe maintaining that so-called unity is not necessarily our top job oh, yeah. as, as Christians. Yeah. That's really interesting, man. You know? Well, we probably should end it there. We probably should. We've gone on long enough. Yeah. All right. Well, glad to have you uh, folks join us live. And uh, for everybody listening to the recording, uh, great to have you uh, participate with us in this conversation. We're going to try to do one of these every week uh, after the sermon on Sunday. I encourage you to... Uh, look at the tableindie.org and find our sermons there. You can listen to mm-hmm. uh, the sermons that we have in this series. We'll go all the way to, what is it? November 22nd. We're going all the way to Advent with this series. Yeah. So, all right. Here we go. Peace, friends. <laughs> See Bye. Ya. Bye-bye.